Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the general overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Let's put our hands together and welcome Reverend Gilbert. Amen! Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for loving us, for drawing us near to your heart. Thank you for feeding us your holy precious words. We would like to have your anointing, your presence, your gift to be upon us so that life will become easier in all aspects of life and ministry. Bless this message for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. We've been studying steps to the anointing. And um, we are still on point number two. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, well, that means you can do nothing. That is John chapter 15. And the same person who said, without me, you can do nothing. He also told them that I'm going to leave you. So what a contradiction. If without me, you can do nothing, now you're going to leave us. How are we going to do? Or what are we going to do? Then he went on to say, I will not leave you orphans, but I will send to you the paraclete, the comforter, the strengthener, the standby, the the um, advocate, hallelujah, the helper. So, the Holy Spirit is more like Jesus reintroduced in spirit form. So that when Jesus was on earth, he could only be at one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit came, because he is in the form of a spirit, he could be everywhere and he could be in all believers at the same time. Hallelujah. That's why he kept on telling them, as I'm going, you seem to be sad, but it's actually to your benefit that I go. Because as I go, the sky is the limit. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Amen. So in the seven steps to the anointing, we talked about the principle of vessel change. And then we started with the servanthood, where we have spent some time. We are going to continue. And last week, we read a scripture from Isaiah and we referenced how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was called the servant of God. Amen. And that what we are studying about servanthood as a means to being anointed is not something that God himself did not practice. Amen. Amen. And so we started discussing signs of a servant, 13 signs of a servant. Can you tell me the ones that you can remember? What did we learn from Malachi chapter 1 verse 6? Exactly. A servant is at the disposition of the, of the master. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, it carries out the wishes of the master. Hallelujah. And then um, 
a servant has a master. That's the starting point. So a servant has a master, and a servant is at the disposition of the master or carries out the wishes of the master. Eugene, what do you have? Well, yeah, you see, kind of similar points. Yeah. It's at the back and cover the execute the command of the master. Amen. Yeah. And then we also learned a servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job or task. If you are inconvenienced, you are not a servant. Like uh, somebody has brought you to um, watch the house uh, whilst they are gone. Or maybe they are there, but you are supposed to be a house help. And then at 12.01, they call you. We need you to take care of staff. They say, I don't work after 12 midnight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, then you, you are making your own. Unless, of course, before this, they, they hired you, you, made it, you, you told them that I, my job is only up to 12 midnight. Other than that, you know, and in fact, many people would like to hire somebody. They may not be a good like in terms of the quality of the work or in terms of many other criteria, they may not be the best. But the, the fact that they have you at the disposal that they can call on you every, every time they need help, that availability is big. Amen. Because a lot of times, what you need is really not quality. I mean, you, 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 can, you can make do with less quality, with more flexibility. Is that not so? Yeah. And so... A servant is one who executes the command of another. A servant cannot be inconvenienced by any job or task. A servant does not see himself as equal to his master. And that's the one we read the scripture about uh, Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Okay, can we project that scripture? Philippians 2 6. Who being Jesus being the, in the form of God did not consider the robbery to be equal with God. So in other words, it was his right to claim being equal with God. But he decided to set that aside. Let's continue to verse 8. So 7. But he made himself of no reputation. Hallelujah. He made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. And then verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So in verse number 8, another point about the science of a servant arises. And the point is that a servant cannot be embarrassed by his job. Amen. I mean, if you, are, if you look at the verse very carefully, being found in appearance as a man, it's like the vision that Ezekiel saw. Ezekiel saw a vision in Ezekiel chapter 1. He said, I saw one sitting on the throne as looking like as the son of man. Amen. You see, that Jesus term using, call himself the son of man, was actually first used by Ezekiel and Daniel. Amen. And the point is that he is God, but he manifested as a man, and he was found in appearance as a man. So it is like, it is like um, if we are doing a play, a play of, of bucks, Little, little creeping bugs. And you have been asked to be a play the role of a roach, a cockroach. Do you get it? In, in, in this play, this is your role. You are a cockroach. If ordinarily you don't like cockroaches, cockroaches have a bad reputation. They, they are not one of the nice uh, insects that people uh, talk about. 
But in this role, you are a cockroach. And you appear in the appearance of a cockroach, and you shouldn't be embarrassed by it because that's your role. Do you get it? When God needed Jesus to appear as a man, he was not embarrassed by it. You know, he was not embarrassed by identifying with us because mankind was tainted with sin. But in order for him to save us, he had to become like us. And so for him to obey the Father and do the Father's bidding, he had to be not to be embarrassed by being called a man. Hallelujah. Are you, are you following the, the point? So if your role requires you to play a certain part, because what you are called to do may require you to, to play a certain role. And some of them may go outside of your normal way of, or, or, as you are known for. Amen. And if you are the kind that is too high on yourself and your reputation, you cannot be a true servant. Because some of the things you are called to do may be embarrassing. Hallelujah. I mean, how embarrassing it is to be insulted, right, as the son of God and to be slammed and not to be able to answer back. You see, when they put the crown of thorns on him and, 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 then, and then they, they equip him, they, they ask him, prophesy. Like, 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 if you say you are the son of God, if you say you are the Messiah, I mean, do it. Do, it, do something. And that embarrassment alone, I mean, if you are pushed to a, a certain place, you will have to show that, look, I'm no small man. I actually created you. In fact, your last breath, I, I, I have control over it. And to be able to be ridiculed and embarrassed, if you look at the passion, the, the, the cross was the, was the culmination of all things, of all the suffering, the passion. But before the cross, there was a lot of opportunities for Christ to say, look, Father, I said I will die, but I may all die be done, but this death is too much. So that your, your job, your assignment, your role as a servant may involve may involve you embarrassing yourself. Anybody who is, is, is always into or, or majors on looking good, like, like your, your purpose or your, your, your um, aim, is you always want to appear good and to look good. You cannot be another person's servant. Hallelujah. One of the things about servanthood, and I think it's probably another point, maybe we will... Because some of the points run into another. A servant does menial jobs, picking up crumbs, serving food. So it's kind of similar, right? Because menial jobs, menial jobs sometimes can be embarrassing. Hallelujah. John chapter 6, verse 12. This is after Jesus fed the uh, 5,000, the John account. John chapter 6, verse 12. We are describing various various uh, signs of a servant because all of us want to be anointed but one path to be anointed is to serve the one who is anointed serve the anointed man or anointed woman that God has placed before you and one of them is that a servant does menial jobs okay a servant does menial jobs and this is an example that one after Jesus fed the 5,000 the Bible says, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Hallelujah. We can preach on this verse for hours. You know how in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Amen. The scripture does not record what they did with the fragment that they picked. But there's a revelation that says so that nothing is lost. But the, my point is, that is Elizabeth, the people who ate, right, 
because he asked them to sit down in groups of 150. Why can't they pick up their own fragments? Amen. If you are, if you are Andrew, or if you are Thomas, or if you are Peter, there were 12 of them. Okay? And I hope that um, Basabas and uh, what's his name? Uh, Matthias and some of the other people who, the, the number who were 72 that went out uh, witnessing. I hope that they help the 12 because to pick up the crumbs of 5,000 plus people, do you get it? The, first of all, the labor of it, the effort of it, how hard it is. Amen. But then, if you, even if you put the, the, the labor of it aside, I mean, Peter was a full-grown fisherman with his own job. With his beard, if you see the movie, they always show him with a beard. Amen. He was a full, Peter had a wife, Mark chapter 2 or 3, where he says, Mark chapter 5, where he says that um, after uh, Peter's mother was, mother-in-law was sick. So it means that Peter was married. So a full-grown man with, with, with self-respect. Now people have eaten their <laughs> bread and fish and, and he has to pick them up. But he was after God. Hallelujah. He was after Jesus. He was after the anointing. So it didn't bother him. If you would like to be a servant, if you say you are someone's servant, then you run errands. And some of the errands are ridiculous errands. Because when you are following an anointed person, a lot of what they tell you to do, they don't make sense. For instance, before Jesus went to Jerusalem, the, the final march to Jerusalem, if you remember the story, the disciples came to ask him, why do you want us to go and prepare the Passover? Then he, she told them, go into the city, right? As you go into the city, you will see a man carrying what? A, a, a pitcher on his shoulder. He said, follow that man. Then he said, when you follow that man, the house he will enter, okay? Enter the house and then ask the good man of the house, where is the chamber that the Lord is coming to? So you see, the whole thing is like, if you, you see somebody in the outskirts of a town carrying a, a pitcher of water, I mean, what if there's two or three people carrying, which one are you going to follow? And if somebody sees that you are following them, everywhere they pass you, you are passing, and they, they look and you are following them, do you get it? It may seem like uh, we are being followed. They may call the police on you. It's a very rid ridiculous assignment. The other one is also, he sent them to go. He said, you see a colt, a little donkey tied in the outskirts of the town. He said, untie it and bring it to me. Because I have to fulfill a prophecy that said that I must enter Jerusalem sitting on a donkey. Amen. Then, and then, he, and then the, he said, if somebody asks you, why are you taking it to them? Say, the Lord have need of it. Which Lord? <laughs> Amen. You see, a, a city in a country called Ghana, where I, 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 I once lived, if they catch a thief, sometimes before the police comes in, they, they will beat you and you have to pray that you are not, you don't, you don't lose your life. Amen. So you, you, you untie this coat and the possibilities are endless. These are the ridiculous errands that the disciples had to run. But if you you after the anointing, you don't think twice about these things. Hallelujah. And, and then also in the opening uh, Gospel of John, let's go to the Gospel of John. I don't remember the verse, but another example of the, the heart of the follower of Jesus. Because a person who is following the anointing, keep in mind that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Did you know that? It's a title that was given to him. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, to be anointed to, to be to, to, through the pathway of servanthood, the person who is the anointed one is actually anointed by Christ. 
Amen. In the actual fact is that the one who is truly anointed is Christ, and he has he has parted out his garment among some people. Amen. And and the people that he has parted out his garment of anointing on his mantle on, some of them are before you, and you want to serve them. And when you are serving them, you're actually serving Christ. That is why the scripture says, Whoever gives water to a prophet will not miss the prophet's reward. Because it is not the person you are giving to, you are giving it to the one who has anointed them. Hallelujah. And so in John chapter 1, there's a place where Jesus was going. Um, probably it says, where is it? It, it begins by, it said, on the second day. And then it said, two disciples, if you can find it, fine. If not, we can just move on. Two disciples were following him. Amen. And then Jesus turned and, and asked, and, and looked at him and said, whom do you seek? If you find it, you, you can tell us. It's John chapter 1. Hallelujah. So, it's a revelation of the type of heart that the followers of Jesus had. That the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus, okay? And Jesus turned and seeing them, you are ready to project for bishop. Put your hands together for <laughs> brother Rasmus. If you've been to come before, if you're projecting for bishop, you better be very fast. <laughs> then Jesus turned and seeing them following, he said to them, Who, what do you seek? He asked them, what do you seek? Then they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, or translated teacher, where are you staying? Okay. So it, 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 it's, then he says, come and see. That, that is his answer, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. So go back to the previous verse. The question Jesus asked, what do you seek? See, we are talking about steps to the anointing. Do you get it? We are talking about how to be anointed and the servanthood is one of them. And the question Jesus asked, what do you seek? And then the answer they gave, it does not seem to answer the question. Because he said, what do you seek? And they say, where are you staying? So what they, are, what they are saying is that what we are seeking is wherever you are staying. In other words, we are aimless. We have no aim for our lives. We are at your what? Beck and call. We are at your disposal. Wherever you are is where we are going. And that's not hard. I mean, that's not easy. Amen. Amen. If you are a full-grown man with an agenda. I remember um, one Saturday, it was Agabapto Fest. We were living in New Jersey. And my wife and I, we were living in New Jersey, and we used to go to Bronx, the Bronx Terminal Market, and buy foodstuff wholesale. It's not a place that you go every Saturday, but you kind of plan it and go, Right? And you buy stuff for so, so that you can save, uh, you know, fish and different different things. And we had uh, we had planned for weeks, and then on the day of the Agabapto Fest, my pastor calls me and says, you know, um, and the Agabapto Fest was, I, I think, upstate New York somewhere. All the branches in the area were meeting there. He said, I'm going to need you uh, there to assist me. I said, Oh, Rev, <laughs> we were planning to go to Bronze Terminal Market, and you know. I mean, uh, and I think the following week, there was some reason why we couldn't go the following week. Do you get it? It's all about, okay, but you are, you are, you are my assistant. I, I need you to come and help me. And, and, and if, you need to, if you need for me to talk to Mavis, I can. But, and, and then it's like, hey. <laughs> you see, you're following a, 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 a minister, a man of God, it will take you away from other people who need you. Do you get it? 
And then I said, uh, then, and, then, and then he said, you know, you see, the thing is that you cannot force people, okay? There's a scripture that says that we are helpers of your joy, but not to lord it over you. Jesus never forced these people to follow him. It's more about what do you seek? Do you get it? And so what Reverend Osir said was that, you know, okay, Gilbert, you think about it. That's how he left it. You think about it. I mean, you, you think about it. So I want to th- think about it, and I said, mm, the way it is, Agabaptophus is how many times a year? Once a year. And I've been, uh, I wasn't necessarily the uh, uh, assistant, official assistant. I was just somebody in the church. Do you get it? But he's asking me to come and help him. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but this is a chance I have to take. So I had to, as the negotiations began. Do you get it? I had to negotiate. So up to today, every time Reverend Osir sees Mavis, he said, Mavis, I owe you the fish. <laughs> So many 15 years or so, or 17 years later, is that all you fish from Bronze Terminal Market? Amen. Because I ended up going and we never went to the Bronze Terminal Market. Amen. I mean, we did go other times, but that particular season, it was out. So, you see, being a servant would involve doing menial jobs, picking up crumbs, serving food. Another one is that a servant carries out, well, it's kind of similar point. Tato chapter 2, verse 9. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verse 9. A servant carries out the wishes of his master. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. Hallelujah. And then also, even on the same point, a servant does menial job. Another one is John 6, 2, I mean, we read that one. Second Kings 3, 11, where it says, um, Elisha, son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Okay. Now, another point. We are talking about 13 sons of a servant. A servant promotes his master whilst he stays below. John chapter 3 and verse 30. A servant promotes his master while he stays below. You see, a servant's role is to make his master look good. Do you get it? A servant's rule is to make his master look good. A person that you are seeking the anointing from, your, your, your thought, remember we said that a servant does not see themselves as equal to the master. Because there are some people, I mean, a person that you are, you are pursuing and seeking the anointing from can, is, can be your classmate. Amen. They can be your classmate. They, you, you, could even, you, could even be, um, you could even be their junior in school. There's a minister in... Um, Rev, uh, uh, Bishop Kweku, if you listen to Bishop Kweku's uh, podcast, he, there's somebody in the church who is, who is his senior in, you know how in secondary school we used to call people senior? You see, I think he's called Senior Bedford. So he calls him Senior Bedford and he keeps on begging him, please don't call me senior. Here you are the bishop, I am a church member. But you see, the relationship is from old and he cannot stop calling him Senior Bedford. But this Senior Bedford guy sees him, now you are my bishop, do you get it? The back in school days thing is, is what? It's far and gone. A trim. It's gone. Now, it's, the roles have changed. But there are some people who cannot seem to put that thing aside. Do you see? Do you see? They will tell you, are you my co-equal? <laughs> <laughs> but you see, we are talking about spiritual things here. We are talking about a different realm. Are you following the preaching? So, science of a servant. You see, this was said by John the Baptist. 
John chapter 3 and verse 30. John the Baptist's ministry preceded that of Jesus. In fact, before Jesus ever began preaching, John the Baptist had a large following in the desert, in the wilderness. How many people would attend a church that is so far out of town, in the middle of nowhere? Do you get it? The wilderness. Yes, an interesting pastor with an interesting suit. <laughs> Amen. With an interesting uh, uh, diet. Appetite, the type of things he was eating. Locusts. And such a person, I mean, John the Baptist was one of the most highly anointed people you could ever see. Because most people, in order for you to show that you are called, you get it. You have to have a certain appearance. Even in our church, you, you, as a pastor, they tell you that, that you can't just make yourself shabby. Amen. But John the Baptist didn't, didn't, didn't need a suit. <laughs> in fact, he had his own special suit. The man was heavily anointed. And the Bible said that all people from Judea and Idumea were running after him, including the Pharisees. In fact, the Pharisees, they were so enthralled by his ministry that they came to him and they said, you know what, are you Elijah? Because it had, it had been prophesied that Elijah will come before the end of the age. Amen. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you Jeremiah? He said, I'm none of this. Then they said, well, then why are you, why are you preaching? Because, because, because you, you, you're supposed to be one of these. Then he said, I'm a voice. He made himself like a nameless, faceless, faceless person. I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness. So then, before Jesus came, here is a man who already had a very successful ministry. But you see, he knew, he knew where he was. He knew his size. Do you get it? He knew the level and the limit where God had placed him. And so, and so when Jesus came up on the scene and John was referring to Jesus and introducing Jesus. That's why introduction is important, you see. Because people did not know, didn't know Jesus, but John introduced Jesus. Because how somebody introduces someone can affect how the person is received. If someone, a visiting minister comes and I say, oh, we are so glad to have uh, Parkwisi in our mess. And uh, I met him by the, uh, you know, Moss and Car, And he seemed like a Christian. I think he could have something to share with you. How much of your expectation would, are you going to have? <laughs> Amen. Do you get it? So introductions are important. How you introduce the person. So he said, look, maybe we should go a few verses before. Let's maybe start from 28. I don't know how, where it, uh, it begins. Uh, you yourself bear me witness. This is John the Baptist speaking. That I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. So John, in spite of his greatness, you see, the mistake people make is that they think that when you promote somebody, or when you lift your senior up, or when you lift, they think that it diminishes you. It does not diminish you. Amen. The whole thing is about everybody knowing their place. Knowing the place where God has put you. So John the Baptist, is, it is insecurity that makes people find it a problem. Elevating somebody. It's insecurity, but when you are secure in who you are, and what God, what God has made of you, it's not a problem introducing somebody in a certain great light. Hallelujah. So he said, look, I am not the Christ. I'm not going to kid you. I am not the Christ. I have, but I have been sent before him. But what still makes him very powerful? Hallelujah. When you are sent before someone who is great, it means you are also great. When uh, Apostle Joel was being, uh, when he was consecrated a bishop, and uh, he was going to do his first, after the consecration in Ghana, he came to the U.S. And he was going to do his first uh, preaching, his first service. Do you get it? As a bishop. It's, it's very big. Amen. 
And that day, yours truly, by the grace of God, was there. Yeah. Amen. And um, they said that the ordained ministers who were there, few, there were few of us at that time. And they said that we should, like a big man, like a bishop, you know, we don't say bishop, bishop. A big man like a bishop shouldn't just walk in like that. Do you get it? So some people would go in front of him. And Reverend Ose, the same man who asked me to accompany him to the, the Agabaptophes, my father in ministry, he was there. He said, Gilbert, you go first. I said, hey. So I was the first one, you know, like we were all in our, in our clergy, this thing. And then, and then, and I don't know who was, I think Reverend Ose was after me. And then uh, Apostle, at that time, he was called Bishop Joel. And then other people. People were anticipating, anticipating. They were waiting for Apostle to show up. And I, I, I enter and it's my face. <laughs> Amen. Because it, it had to come with a certain protocol. Amen. I felt really, really great. I felt uh, very important. Amen. And, 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 and perhaps it started with going to the Agabapto first and forfeiting the fish. Because little steps lead you somewhere. Do you get it? But here, look at him. I have been sent before him. He's saying it confidently. He's not ashamed of... But then... Next verse, 29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. Okay? He was the bride, the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. So, John the Baptist is introducing himself as who? The friend of the bridegroom. Hallelujah. He said, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Now, when the night is over, when the wedding is over, who is going to have all the enjoyment? Who? Are you child to say it? The bridegroom and the bride too. But if you're talking about the two men, the, bri the, the, the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom, but he who is the friend of the bridegroom, he is just happy for him. Amen. Here is somebody who is not, he's, he's not jealous of the promotion of another. He's not jealous of, uh, of somebody going to be happy or somebody going to get something that he's not going to get. Hallelujah. That is John the Baptist. And he said that, I'm just happy. Now, when we go to verse 30, that's where he said, Christ must increase, but I must decrease. Why is he saying that? Because when Christ came on the scene, when Christ came on the scene, immediately John the Baptist's ministry began to go down because he's, he has finished his assignment. And now Christ must increase. From that point onwards, everything was about Christ. And John the Baptist now went down all the way to being in prison and being beheaded. Hallelujah. That is not to say that if you are an assistant of, a, of a, an anointed man, you are about to be beheaded. But the thing is that you must be able to, you must be willing to what? Decrease so that he will shoot up. Hallelujah. Before the pastor came, you were sharing some words of exhortation. Do you get it? Which you should. Maybe there's a function that the pastor should be there and he's late. And you are showing, sharing some words of exhortation. His revelations you are giving is so powerful and people are so uh, impressed by your, your revelations. But after the pastor has come, you must now let them know that a greater than you has arrived. Okay. Amen. Amen. So that you, you uh, because the pastor has now said that he's now looking and looking and looking. You are about to introduce him. But you, you are enjoying the accolades of the people. <laughs> Do you get it? You don't know this verse that says that, he must increase and I must decrease. You rather want people to say, look, the way the thing is going, I would as well continue sharing because, I mean, what I talk and he share, that I can share. 
Is it, if that's your mindset, then you are not about to be anointed. Amen. But you see, even though I'm sharing this with you, I feel that, I feel that there is somebody here who I learned everything I know from. And I am so blessed and I'm so happy that he has come. In fact, I feel relieved that he has arrived. Because everything that I have told you so far, I think he's going to explain it even better. Put your hands together for Reverend Kwashimoto. Then we clap for him and then he arrives. Do you get it? That is how you should be. He must what? Increase and I must decrease. But the person who is always looking to rub shoulder like somebody, they were asking him of, oh, so how's your senior uh, pastor doing? He said, oh, he's there. I mean, this yes, a master, yes, a master business has got to stop. You see, he was speaking to the friend of the senior pastor. He didn't know that he's going to tell the senior pastor. But the senior pastor's friend is asking him, how's your senior pastor? So, he's there. This yes, a master, yes, a master business is going to stop. And on another occasion, the person said, um, we, are all, we are all called. I mean, it's just that we just haven't had the opportunity. Wow. You, you shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't talk like that. Because in your mind, in your subconscious, you actually think that you are his co-equal. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. If you listen to Bishop's message from last um, Sunday, you know, he was talking about sometimes people, people don't know how much they don't know. Do you get it? He's talking about how sometimes you, you, you think you know, but you know very little. And that is how the, the uh, German spies, I'll tell you this later, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you hear, the German spies were able to outwit um, Hitler because Hitler had sent these spies to England. This in, uh, they, they spoke English with British accent fluently, but then they were arrested by the British. And Hitler didn't know. Do you get it? So they kept telling Hitler what you could call fake news <laughs> or old news because these spies, the, the, the British threatened them that we were going to kill you on Saturday, but if you promise to actually be double agents, that's so, so you tell Hitler either old news or fake news. And then Hitler doesn't know that you are saying all this under duress. You have been arrested. But you are working for us, actually. And Hitler was so happy. On the June 6th, when they, they went to Normandy, Hitler thought that the whole thing was a decoy. He didn't know that it was a real attack. He, he was asleep till 12 noon and was stretching and drinking his uh, coolie and drinking his coffee, not knowing that he's been deceived. What you think you know, you know very little. Hallelujah. There's a lot more to know. Hallelujah. So, you, you must have a mind to promote the person whose anointing you are pursuing. And when you have this heart, because you see, you see how we learned in school, rivers or water flow from where? High gradient or higher altitude to low altitude. So, if you think you and your anointed person are at the same level, which water is going to flow from where to where? But if you make yourself here and you perceive them to be here, then the anointing can flow like a river and come to you. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Alright, let's stand up to our feet. Let's bring the Lord an offering and let us commit ourselves to him. Oh, sovereign God, we are grateful to you for your help. Thank you for touching our lives. Thank you for receiving our offerings which we bring in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless them. Multiply them. 
and bring honor to your name because of these offerings in the name of Jesus. Amen.